Welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness with Dana and Kat. Together, we give a new voice to kinky sexual wellness. We're not your average wellness advocates, so let's peel back the layers of kinky wellness and talk about it. Hey, and welcome back. So today, Kat and I are going to be doing our first book review, which I'm super excited about in celebration of Kat going back out into the dating world. (laughs) Yes. So our first book review is on The Selfish Romantic by Michelle Ellman. And this book helps people date without feeling bad about ourselves. Yeah. So she's a life coach who does a lot on working with being selfish and the benefits of it. So it's interesting to see it put from just normal day-to-day life into the world of dating where being selfish is usually seen as a bad thing. Yes, and she's very big on boundaries, which of course we are very big on boundaries here at The Partition. And I would like to start off by saying I really did find that there, overall there was like one thing, two things, we'll get into it later, but overall I felt like this was a really good book for those entering the modern day dating world with technology and texting apps and what they all mean. I agree. As somebody who is just getting back out into dating, it was quite, it was a refreshing read for me personally. And I actually found I identified with quite a lot of it, Um, especially as somebody who has been told that I am too picky. And I have been told, in fact, I got told by my stepdad the other day that I am never going to find anyone because I refuse to compromise. (laughs) Well, I do think that you don't need to compromise on things that are good for you. Like if you have your morals, like that's the thing too. Like, I don't think that you're unwilling to compromise. There's just things that you just won't compromise for. Agreed. Um, So yeah, it was a really interesting one. And I like in the book, how she talks about like from her own experiences as a teenager into being an adult. Cause I think me and her are the same age as well. So it's actually kind of nice to see, Things like things that I went through be reflected as well, if that makes sense. So you want to start with like what you enjoyed about the book? Well, I definitely agreed all her opinions on cancel culture and the fact that we need to move away from it because people are allowed to make mistakes. And I also feel that we need to stop judging people based on who they were five or 10 years ago. I think that that's irrelevant. Um, People grow again. I, I know I've said this to you before, but I, even for me from like five years ago, my goodness, I don't even recognize her. I was, I, I was a lot meaner. I was a lot. No, 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 no. I'm not going to, if someone were to judge me on five years ago, go for it. But you can't judge me now based on that. And so I agree that we need to be able to have hard conversations and cancel culture eliminates that completely. And it affects in dating because if one person says one thing you don't agree with and you just write them off completely, you don't know why you don't know. They might have reasons other than your own. Yeah, I think it also that also ties really well into like one of the chapters or like sub chapters that I really enjoyed which was where she talks about the different, the use of psychological speak in day-to-day life. So, you know, using the word toxic, using the word trauma bonding, using the word narcissist when you don't like your, and I thought she had a really good line in it where she talks about the, the minute you ascribe it to people, you eliminate the ability for them to grow. The minute you ascribe it as somebody as toxic, you are making sure that they are never allowed to grow beyond that that and moment in time. Someone can be toxic to you, but in the same breath, be absolute an amazing friend or an amazing 
partner or an amazing child you know they might have they have very positive out like relationships mm -hmm. outside of their relationship to you I thought that was a really interesting one and I think we've discussed it in another episode um god we've done so many now that I've forgotten how many <laughs> which one it was well we talked about the difference between like icks and red flags um mm -hmm. I thought that was like it was quite nice to see somebody else also be like red flags are not necessarily an indicator of a person but they are an indicator of uh, actions that you might not want yeah and to your point about terms that she uses codependency I want to explain yes. this one because I feel that I was using this term wrong because I didn't know the origins of it but apparently codependency was a term used by Alcoholics Anonymous yeah um yeah I did not know that that's uh, crazy. And then they say that it got the term was completely lost as more self help books came to reshape its mm -hmm. meaning, especially from a 1986 book called codependency no more. And I think that and um, I do say this like a discipline was something that I didn't agree with with her actually. Yeah. So she said that discipline is something that's rooted in self hate. And I'm I am making a podcast of this. Um, the next podcast will be on this. But again, the roots of that is to learn it's not necessarily self-hate like and again it, I, I say this in the next podcast but I think that discipline depending on who it's being wielded by is what makes it good or bad no I agree I so when I read that line I understand where you're coming from I think the way she wrote it wasn't the correct way she was trying to frame it because I've got it in my notes where it's like the discipline comment so where she says it's about the texting, isn't it? Where she's talking about setting boundaries. Basically it is setting boundaries about texting people and taking yourself out of that mind that you need to discipline yourself into not responding to people so quickly, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, for me, I was like, well, it's just reframing it to setting your boundaries around your phone. It's not necessarily... Mm. It's not necessary. It's not a bad thing to be disciplined about. I am not going to be on my phone. Me and you both do it where we have our phone set on DND after a certain time. Everybody knows I don't respond to text messages after nine o'clock. Yeah. Um, but I did really enjoy that bit because it reminded me of like when I once when I was dating a few years ago and how that entire chapter about texting I thought was fascinating because I remembered there's I've had instances where people have gone from really nice to really aggressive with me because I don't text back quickly enough wow. so yeah so I had it once where I was talking I was talking to this woman and I remember we had two instances where the first was I was going to bed so I said I'm going to bed I don't respond to my, my phone's on D&D. I won't see a text message. So I'm going to say goodnight now. Bye. And they text me back and they were basically like, have a good night, blah, blah, blah. Kiss, kiss at the end. And I didn't respond. Like I said, I wasn't going to. Outlined in my boundary. Yes. The next day when I picked up the conversation, they were like, did I upset you last night? And I was like, no, why would you say that? well, I texted you and said, have a good night and with kisses and you didn't respond. And I was like, well, I told you I was going to bed. That meant I was going to bed. I put my phone down. And later on that day, I said, I'm going into a meet. They kept texting me and I was like, okay, I'm going into a meeting. I'll respond to your text message later. 
they text me five big paragraphs getting slowly more and more do you like me are you angry with me and i had to in the end i had to respond i am now because you're trying to make me a bad guy even though i've done nothing mm -hmm. wrong and they're like well you didn't respond to the text and i'm like because i was in a meeting I will, I, I'm not allowed, yeah. none of us are allowed to take our phones into meetings. It was a massive one for our board, like for the, um, it was a department meeting. Regardless, you're working. Phone. Yeah, regardless. Regardless, regardless, you're working. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't have an issue with people who text me throughout the day. So long as I'm honest, if I'm busy, I put my, I don't look at my phone. If I'm concentrating, I don't look at my phone. But I don't mind if people text me their thoughts throughout the day. You see a cute dog, send me a picture. You want to tell me about something you do, knowing I'll get back to you later in the evening. That's lovely. To me, yeah, that shows you're thinking of me. But when I'm going, I'm in a meeting and you're going, well, why aren't you responding? I'm like, hmm, no. Yeah, no. That was, yeah, I, <laughs> but I do understand why you, I think it was the way that sentence was written I think wasn't framed correctly because I do get where you're coming from when you're going, well, you're saying discipline is a bad thing. Well, I think it's a strong sentence. Discipline is rooted in self-hate. I think that's strong language. So regardless of how it went down, but like, there's like things that I did agree with for sure that she goes off about like people are not medicine. And I do feel like in today's culture, it's yeah. very easy to feel lonely and then turn on your dating app and then go seek out like a, uh, I would say that I've definitely done that once or twice. Yeah. Like it's not, um, it is something that you don't own. Like you don't really consciously know sometimes, like some people don't see how lonely they actually are. And then they're out doing it. And because it's so normalized all like date another person, go on another date. It, it can kind of get in this gray area where you're like, what, how, why am I doing this? Why, why, why am I actually sad? Do I really want to date? Like what's going on here? No, I, yeah, I really liked um, where she talks about taking a dating detox. I think that's mm. the same bit. Um, as somebody who's dating, you can tell the bits that I really focused on when doing this were the getting into the dating chapters. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, uh, with the relationship bits, I was like, yeah, I'll re I read them, but I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'll get to that toolkit later. Well, um, but I really, I agree. I really liked though when she was talking about taking a detox the other relationships in your life, focusing on those. I thought that they were really well done because I've always said it. I don't miss, I don't miss being, I don't be, I'm not sad being single because I get my emotional fulfillment from the friends in my life. I get them from the relationship me and you have. I get it from the relationships I have with my best friends. Like I tell my best friends, I love them all the time. It's mm -hmm. a really normal part of my vocabulary I really enjoyed that and I loved that where you talk about powerful lines I think one of the bits that I loved was her talking about living on her own and mm. the difference between loneliness and being alone I think she really summarized that bit well where when you're really sad and when you are lonely being on your own can feel all encompassing. Like you said, you end up going onto the dating apps, you end up trying to find connection. And I think then when you don't immediately get that connection, you get more and more upset. Like you said, looking for that medicine. 
but when I'm when I put the time back into myself and my happiness and my own growth living on my own is a personal freedom and I think that's the line that I absolutely love the best in this book was being on my living on my own is my freedom and it's what allows me the space to be able to go out and think about dating and seeing people because I have my own space and I'm like yes yes I think yes. that's great. I one of the lines that I absolutely loved is women need to get off in front of their partners so they can see. And I think that yes. that's incredibly for anybody. I uh because this goes anyway, every way. Get off first so you can at least have a like pleasure mapping, body mapping, like figuring it out. Like that I thought was amazing advice to give to somebody because it's something something that's overlooked often. Yeah, it's some and I think also it's something people talk about like you do as somebody who writes about sex sexuality and sex toys it is something that I see gets mentioned quite a lot in like articles about spicing it up in the bedroom and I think well it doesn't just like she said it doesn't have to just be about that it is about showing them what you like yeah <laughs> and, and I think that... Complain that you're having bad sex if they don't know what makes you tick <laughs> I know and I, I say this all the time humans aren't mind readers and that's the thing I think we just assume and also we have this oh did you watch a porn video then you must know what you're doing like they, they there's this weird connection that we have so we need to rewrite that statement but um there was another thing that I felt that I'm not like, I don't know the drinking within dating culture in this. She had mentioned that getting tipsy to the point of drunk on a first date and stuff like that. I don't, I maybe cause I don't drink. I'm not really for this it, in the same breath that like, you shouldn't really be getting tipsy in front of someone you don't know it, as a safety point from my perspective Two, you're not seeing the true self. Cause you're hazy, you're tipsy. You're seeing it through rose colored glasses the other person's not acting who they are because they're also tipsy. If they're the ones getting drink, like drinking, like it's vi like, I don't know. And nerves come with dating nerves, dating, yeah. you're going to be nervous. And I think that people really need to work on handling excitement and nerves and all of that, you know, that's going through their bodies instead of just like kind of pushing it down with alcohol or even weed. Like, you know, if you smoke before you go, this is the same thing. No, I, as somebody who is going out and you know you know I'm trying to cut down on my drinking it's really hard to get people to agree to sober dates I've noticed which is crazy how difficult you're having to say no to bars I think that right? that's crazy when I hear about how hard it is for you to say can we go somewhere else yeah and trying to explain it where as I think we've talked about it where I've said like Yes, I am aware that if you have said, let's go to a bar, I do not have to choose to drink. I don't. But it's the ambiance. It's this. There's it, a million places you could go that's elsewhere that could create yeah. other types of memories and experiences that don't have to focus around alcohol. Because, yes, you don't have to drink. You're totally right. But yeah. it's there in front it's of you. Yeah. Taunting and, you. Yeah. And that's the thing where it's going, well, I don't want to have to sit there and give somebody that side. Like, I think one of the best things she was saying and like about dating was that whole conversation on when do you tell people certain things? Yes, that was great. I really liked that. And when she said, does it, when you decide to, you need to make a conscious reason for why, you mm -hmm. know, like she said, there's a difference between I have a child and I'm disabled. Those are two th like things you can't really walk away from you know, you've got a physical scar on your face, blah, blah, blah. When do you bring that up? And it's something I find talking about having 
vaginismus I tell people from the get-go yeah one of my friends went well why do you do that and I said well I it's my way of making it clear to anybody going on a date the first date with me that they're not going to get sex I'm very honest about it I find it helps it helps set the tone not in a rude way not me judging anybody who does but just saying look if all you're looking for is a one night stand or a hookup you're not going to get that with me. So let's not waste our time. That's what it is. Not wasting time. I agree. Because yeah. one of her things is you don't need to visualize what your life is going to be like after one or two dates. Man, yeah. I'm guilty of this, but I'm saying right now with my husband right now, I first of all, I'm very upfront. This is what I want. X, Y, Z out of life. This is kind of where I'm headed in this direction. I'm very secure in what I want to know. And I'm not saying like, like for me, it worked for me. Like to say yeah. upfront what I want out of life right off the first one or two dates. Like, hey, is it, I feel like that goes across the board. If you know what you want out of life, what is the harm of sharing that right off the bat? Like you're either yeah. going to, you're just saving time, I think, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. I Because I'm the same. I'm very honest with people. I'm moving different cities. Is this some, would you be interested in blah 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 but um yeah with the whole dating and going on dates chapter the other bit that I really liked was the conversation about self-esteem and your looks um mm. although I do have a gripe about how much of the book was focused on physical appearance yes it's don't get me wrong I loved it in the first chapter where she talks about being a teenager and when you are a teenager, that is the first time you kind of, and you know, you see it from the movies, the books, everything is about looks. You get told, oh, okay, as you know, if nobody likes me, it's because I'm ugly. I, you know, I've fallen into that trap and I do get it. I wasn't, I was a very ugly duckling as a child. Um, I went to an all girls high school where my cousin also went and I remember being told by even teachers that Melissa was the pretty one and I oh wasn't my god I yeah I am um, you know I remember I we grew up in the time of size zero I've got big thighs and a fat ass mm -hmm. even when I wasn't when even when I starved myself I had I was a size zero with curves still because that's my body type I do understand I liked it at the beginning where she talks about you know, when you don't look a certain way, when you don't meet certain society standards of beauty, it can get very easy to fall into that trap of believing you're not pretty. And the best thing she did for herself was to relearn her beauty and to go, you might not think I'm attractive, but I think I'm attractive. I really liked that at the start. And I really liked where she was talking about going on a date with that bloke who used pictures from 10 years ago and mm -hmm. then spent the whole time talking about, oh, you won't like me. Put in, I say the same, putting yourself down is not attractive to me. No. Insecurity is the biggest red flag for me. If you spend the whole time playing the victim, and I've been on dates where people have done it and you get put in really awkward situations where you know I don't want to go on a second date with you, but if I say no, it's going to yet again reflect your bad perception of yourself. Yeah, well, that's this whole self-sabotage thing that she says yeah. to like about. And I do think that's important. Like, I do like how she said low swipe 
what is it like low swipe standards but high date standards yeah. so yeah. that was a good good thing because I do think that people need to understand also with the algorithms of how tinder works specifically like I say this in the AI podcast that's going to be coming up but the how tinder works is if you get a swipe from someone who gets a lot of swipes or nobody or who someone who seldomly swipes that like weighs more so mm. they now see all the all the people who get lots of swipes all see each other and people who don't get any swipes they see each other so we're like divided into these categories and i think that people need to kind of be aware of how these are structured as well because yeah, it's not a reflection um, of your personality it's part no. of the algorithm itself as well no, I agree. Talking about the dating thing, I didn't agree with everything she said about setting up your profile. The words and setting up your bio completely agreed with the way, like, you know, the yes, red the, section. The don't be, sorry, it was called the ironic process theory. And it's to only put positive statements in your bio. So if you say no smokers, it will not work because it will subconsciously attract smokers. It's the same way that if you don't say, don't think of a white polar bear, you're immediately yeah. going to think of a white polar bear. So yes, I agree with that. That was very, very well written. Yes. The bit I didn't like was the talking about pictures. I was going to say, so she says to put your best self forward at all times, or like your and, true self, not your best self. She says, yeah. put your everyday self, not your best self on there. Okay. So that bit I do agree with where I didn't like it. And this is just my own personal gripe where she was like, Oh, you you shouldn't do. I agree with the bit about no group photos. I yeah, I'm like, mm. but the bit where she says not a lot of selfies, and I'm like, okay. I have got to. I either take selfies. I take a lot of selfies. I'll be honest and say it mm -hmm. because my friends do not take photos. I have got my friends either take horrible photos of me <laughs> because they don't care. Or my friends are like, me and my friends are not the types of people that will go out for a drink. And we're all like, oh my God, no, no, no. We are not those people. So I don't have a lot of pictures of my friends. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I don't love you guys. It's just, we, we are not those people. So I don't have any of those like really cute. Oh my God, look at these candid shots. The only candid shot I have of me is me at Go Ape where I looked a mess because I got up at six in the morning to go swing from a zip line. That's funny. <laughs> or I have my pole dancing videos or and my pole dancing pictures. That's the only time I think my friends have actively taken pictures of me. And I am not big on always putting that I do pole dance in my profile because you attract a lot of weirdos. Yeah, I would say it's mixed. It's like you, it's a big part of your life and you want to show it off. But yeah, I do think that there's immaturity out there and just the dating yeah. pool I, itself. I have heard, and it's weird saying I've heard it from like women, non-binary and trans people. Uh, but I have heard every shitty fucking pole dancing flat come online you can think of. And I'm like, yeah. no. Nah. On the other side as well, the only other really good high-end candid photos I've got are my boudoir photos. Yeah, those are so gorgeous. I, they are beautiful, but they are also, most of them, let's be honest, are not dating app appropriate. <laughs> Um, and the other bit I didn't like for myself personally was where she said about not having like low cut tops and right. I like 
that is most of my fashion. I dress like a white trash princess. <laughs> well, I am um, tight jeans and titties out all day of the week. I am not going to be shamed because I like looking like a trashy bitch. <laughs> and that is your style and we love you for it. Exactly. Well, there was some dating myths that uh, to these yes. things like don't. So one of the ones is don't the one dating myth. Sorry, is don't raise them. They are not your child. Now I like that this is a myth because I did have this mindset. I still feel like I struggle with this mindset mm -hmm. even right now to my husband because it's like when something happens to you, you're like, why do you not know this? Like, how do you not know this? But it's so important to teach the people around us how to love us, talk to us, apologize to us, which is a big one. Um, because yeah. I, I know I've said this before, but vague, vague apologies that that's triggering oh. to me that that sets me off so much. I go I go back into childhood moments where I'm just like, this has no place here. But yeah, I do have to teach people around me like, hey, I, if you have to apologize for me for any reason, you got to tell me why, why with the specific thing. So I understand that you understand that we both understand why I'm upset here. And sometimes it does say, you know what, I, you're apologizing for something that doesn't even acknowledge to you. And then I get to come forward and grow in that moment. But sometimes it helps others to know how to apologize to someone else. No, I agree. I think also as well, the way I understand the concept of it, men, and you don't raise people like they are your children. I mm -hmm. completely agree. But I've, and I think what she goes into with it is like, there's a difference between they don't do anything and you're constantly picking up after them and treating them. Yeah, for sure. They're a child and get, setting your boundaries for them and showing you how you want to be treated. That's not childish to me, but yeah. I do understand why so that so many people do immediately assume that. Well, I also think that we've been taught that like people don't understand that relationships are as much work. I think that we've been brainwashed into thinking it's easy peasy and it's la la land and no one fights, but oh my goodness, like you still have, like the fights are going to happen. You have to get over them. But this kind of goes into the, if he wanted to, or if she wanted to, they would have, which was another oh. myth. And I know I've been guilty of that. And it also took me a long time to get out of that. It took me yeah. like a couple of years to be like, you know what? Again, people are not mind readers. Like Dana, no one's reading your fucking thoughts. Like <laughs> how are they going to know? And that's, it's just so crazy. But yeah, like if they didn't want to, he would have, maybe they don't know. Maybe they are showing you how they care in other ways that you're not picking up because you're so focused on just this one specific thing you haven't actually outlined. Yeah, I think that also goes into where she was talking about the different types of like where people, like dating terminology with mm. like the five love languages the five the different ones and I I do think the love I do like the love languages but I think where it gets confused is people forget that it's how you enjoy your love languages how you enjoy showing love and it's up to you but that doesn't mean I think she even says it, it doesn't mean that that's all of it like you might have ones that you prefer but that doesn't mean that the other ones aren't there and it is just you need to be able to communicate yes and I also think that when it comes to love languages people can get hooked on like one or two specific ones but can we just all like remind ourselves that we need a little bit of all of them like it, it's yeah. a collectiveness of all of them and I'm not saying it all has to be 50 50 across the board or equal portions here but to say that like oh because this one is the one I least identify with means I don't have to put any emphasis on this I think that's yeah. wrong you're hurting yourself in that way you're putting yeah. yourself under these weird terms like oh I 
identify as this on this love language. So therefore I'm going to focus all my attention on that. No, that's not healthy for you either. Yes, I agree on that one. It's the same as the attachment styles where they're like, you can't complain that people about the way that they enjoy stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I do think it was a really, it was a really nice one to see all of the things um, explained because I think they get used a lot. Um, but I am aware that we've only got a few minutes left. So I do want to say like one of the bits I did really, really enjoy was um, the whole bit about being picky. Um, I really liked the bit where it was uh, the talk about you need to invest in yourself and you need to, um, oh my God, I've got to underline. So let me just grab the book because I've got no to underline and save. <laughs> uh, the bit where she says, stop playing small. You're insulting yourself. Yes. About saying what your needs are, not to- like that whole cool girl trope I thought was a myth, the myth of that and saying mm-hmm. like, no, you do not, you are not the better person because you do that to yourself. The only thing you're doing is hurting yourself. That to me is rooted in a lot of self-hatred. Um, but I did also, like I said, as somebody who got told the other day, you're picky. The reason you're going to be single forever is because you're picky. And I had to be like, it was really good because I was reading the book at the same time. And I was like, yes, I am. Yeah. I have high standards for my life. I have very high standards for where I want to live, what I want to do, who I want to be. Why shouldn't I have high standards for the people I want in my life as well? If you were somebody that I want to date and think about sharing a huge part of my life with, then you should meet those, then we should meet each other's standards. I think that's the thing people don't understand is mm-hmm. where I get told I'm not willing to compromise. It's about personality. I'm like, I'm not. But that means I don't want to change them either. I'm not going to sit there and fall into that trap of I can change them. You well, can't. First of all, yeah. you can't. Sometimes you just go, okay, that's what, you're a really bad communicator. Fine. I hate that. Good luck. Yeah. Fun. Um, but yeah, it did also though bring a really interesting question to my head, and I'd love to hear your view on it. Was why are these types of books always marketed at women? Like, mm. I even though it's not necessarily gendered, and Michelle Elman has been a you know, was very honest, I'm a cisgendered woman, very I'm heterosexual, but it's very honest about it even though it wasn't necessarily using gendered language, most of these types of, especially when it comes to dating, self-help books are very much focused on the heterosexual woman and still puts a lot of it on us and on straight women specifically for how you date. Like, what do you think it would, what do you think a good, like the alternative male version of a book like this would have to look like? I think it would teach men to be uh, how to be more confident. I think like I, I've said this a million times, but even with the data that's coming out with AI, like more and more men are having sex later in life in their early 30s, their virgins longer until their 20s. Men are finding it incredibly difficult to date because they're being they're in a competition with the top 15 to 20 percent. When it comes to Tinder on cis, uh, like on heterosexual relationships, only 15 to 20 percent of the men on Tinder are this like they're like, you know, they call 
call them the chads or whatever they're called, right? Like these Ken doll versions. And then you have 80, 80% are just like your average guy. That's yeah. like super nice. And so they, but then they lack that confidence. And so they start retreating inwards. And it's actually part of the insult in for like the insult oh. research that I'm um, going into, which I will definitely follow up on your question when we go into that as well, because yeah. um, it, it is, it is, you're right. It is targeted towards women specifically. And I think that we're like leaving men almost out of the question by not giving them these opportunities to learn and have these books and resources yeah. and tools. I think, yeah. Cause I think as confidence as well also needs to be for men being able to say, I'm not dating. I don't want to date right now. It's not in a good place of my life. Although I do think men get away with it more. Like I've got uncles in my family that have been single for decades and no one gives a shit. But women, any of the women in my family are single for more than a few months and suddenly there's something wrong with us. I think, I think that's society issues. That that's is, for sure. Society does allow men to be single for longer. It is. But also for that one, remind me to send you the TikToks. There's this girl who does this amazing series of reading out Tinder and Hinge profiles from guys as if you were saying it in real life. And it's like the worst of the worst, but you're looking at these like profiles and you're going, yeah, the reason you're not getting a date is because you're in the in your bio calling women sluts. Like maybe that's why she's not swiping on you. Not because she thinks she's better than you. <laughs> I think that like it's, I do feel for men when it comes to dating fields, because I do think that they're like, it's, mm, they're not allowed to complain about the difficulties that they go through as much as women are allowed to complain. We can come on this podcast and bitch and moan about stuff. And like, I, I see so many podcasts about men hating men, like just going at them for all these reasons. But I swear on my life that if a man sits around and starts complaining about a woman, man, they're like, you got a whole army of women down your throat very quickly. Like, I do think that the attitudes are very different when I look at the research between what men are allowed to say online about women and what women are allowed to say online about men um, I do agree on that although I do think if you go onto a dating app with that level of talk like that I'll use it toxic hateful language when you are there saying a woman has to be like purity culture when you are there bringing this attitude don't well, complain but also, and I'm going to say this as somebody who has a lot of straight friends in my life who have boyfriends, a lot of the blokes that are my friends date are very average. I'm sorry, John, no. <laughs> it's not that hard. I've, I've seen some of the people my friends have dated and I'm like, you well, I think that be nice. John knocked on Valerie's door and she gave, I mean, Valerie is catnip for a serial killer. You know, he doesn't look like Tom Hardy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no offense, John. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's a very interesting one. I do agree with you on that, but I do sit there sometimes and I go, it is, like you said, it's teaching them confidence. It's, but I don't think that the men that we're talking about that need the confidence are on the dating apps. That's the thing. I no. think that we are generalizing men and comparing them to these men that are going on the dating apps. And yes, they're putting in like sluts and this and that, or like they're doing the whole like ghosting or whatever the case may be. But we're comparing all men to this small percentage of what's going on no. Tinder. And the data is showing that they're not dating later. They're staying virgins longer. So they're struggling 
to find compatibility. And I think that they're scared to go on because men, I, the idea that men are afraid of rejection, but women aren't afraid of like, we're all afraid of rejection. So like, we should be also sympathetic towards that. If anybody experiences rejection, it hurts, but somehow it's like, oh, they should just handle it better because they're men or something like that. I'm not sure what the idea is behind it, but Yes, we've got, but thank you so much for, like, this was great. I actually love this book and, you know, I, I will have the discipline one that's coming out, but I would say that this was a fairly decent book for people going back out in the dating field, for sure. I agree. I think especially if you are a, a person in the later 20s thinking of dating, I do really agree. It's really helped me with being able to verbalize how I want to see my future dates going. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And we will see everybody next week and check it out and put your comments in, or sorry, leave a comment for us. If you read the book and have any opinions on it, I'd love to hear what you think about it as well. Well, that's it for us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. You can find me at the partition underscore life. And you can find Katrina at underscore satisfied cat. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. And as always, stay kinky.